You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. And it's heard exclusively here on Orange County Radio Station, octalkradio.net. We're broadcasting from their state-of-the-art studios here in the Tech Space facility in Costa Mesa. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we do encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our commercial sponsors, SmartStop, Self Storage, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, to make better and more informed decisions. How do we do that? We bring on guests who have interesting experiences and information that they are willing to share with you, our listening audience of CEOs and business owners across the country, if not around the world, as we beam live here on octalkradio.net. And oh, do I have a guest for you today. Jennifer Jennifer McCusker is Global Director of, of Talent Development for Oakley. I've heard her speak a number of times on the topic that I've asked her to come in and share with us today, and that is neuroleadership, an emerging field in the study of brain science and leadership. But before we get to that, let me welcome Jennifer to the program. Great. Thank you. So happy to be here. It's nice to have you. Let's talk a little bit about you before we talk about the content of the show. Give us a little bit of sense for your professional background, Jennifer. Sure, absolutely. Um, geez, my professional background probably starts back in high school, if you will, when I found my passion in the fields of economics and psychology. And so when I was working through my way through college, trying to figure out what I wanted to be, um, I realized I didn't want to be a clinical psychology, although the study of the brain really interested me. So I was lucky to happen upon a field called industrial organizational psychology that was really the marriage of business and psychology. So I went and got a PhD in that field, not really knowing anything about it, took a huge leap of faith, and luckily it completely worked out. I've spent time in multiple companies working for nonprofit healthcare as well as in larger companies as um, an OD manager at Taco Bell, Pacific Sunwear, New Century Mortgage, and now Oakley. Those are all recognized names here in the Orange County business community, yeah. if not the national, international community. What was it about this field that interested you? Yeah, this field particularly is so unique because it's different every day. So the types of things that I get to work on are, you know, everything from change management and succession planning. So what happens when the CEO of a company leaves, who's going to take that spot to working one-on-one with someone on how to be more effective in their role and working with teams on team effectiveness to large scale uh, implementations and traveling the world and doing these things for companies. And I just think this is I feel just blessed to be able to do something that I'm so passionate about. And it's such an important field, talent management. Your title is Global Director of Talent Development for Oakley. Those are a lot of words with a lot of importance, Uh, talent development and the other things that you do. Tell us a little bit about, for those that may not be familiar with Oakley, at least from your perspective, and then your role and what you've been hired to do and what you do at Oakley for talent development. Yeah, absolutely. So Oakley should be a household name, especially around here. Right. Uh, it's an Orange County-based company. I mean, Oakley was really created for world-class class athletes, um, those who really see the limits of their possibilities as just the next challenge. Um, we are a company at Oakley that is dedicated to um, looking beyond convention. It's that 
that passion the athletes have that really drives us. And uh, we identify problems, we create inventions, and we wrap them in art. And that's oh. something that we talk about a lot is that uh, we're, we're, we're science wrapped in art. We started in 1975, and most people might think we started with eyewear, but actually we started with a grip. Uh, Jim Gennard was the founder of the company. He's a mad scientist and um, has since sold the company and left to start Red Digital. But um, his Another Orange County firm. Absolutely. Beautiful. His philosophies and culture still lives on and runs deep in that company. We run in more than 110 countries. And um, in terms of sports performance eyewear, I mean, we're really unmatched. We have unparalleled optical quality in our lenses, and the impact protection that we provide is superior for our athletes. And what is your responsibility as the global <laughs> director of talent development? Yeah, so I have a broad role. So I oversee all of um, performance management, succession planning, change management, leadership development, um, as well as retail HR. And I oversee that globally uh, for Oakley. And so, I mean, if you really think about talent, it's really the what differentiates one company from another. I mean, I mean, it's the war on talent has never been greater and never been stronger. And if we can really create a competitive advantage through talent, then that's something that you can't buy. How many employees work for Oakley? Over 5,000 employees worldwide. Okay. Yeah, and we're part of a larger company called Exotica that employs over 60,000 people. And how does that relationship mesh with what you do, or does it? Are you free to work within the ecosystem of Oakley, or do you also go into Luxottica? How does that work? Yeah, so Luxottica um, has left Oakley alone, uh, which is a very different relationship than they have with all the other companies they've acquired. So we uh, we have been very insulated, so we operate completely on our own. And partly that is because of the culture that we have. It's very different than anything else at Luxottica. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that Luxottica bought us. They want to keep that culture alive. And so we do work in a fairly insulated fashion. That said, um, we've been do- able to do some really cutting edge, edge stuff in my field at um, Oakley, part of which we're going to talk about today. And Luxottica has really grabbed onto that and has asked my team to really start rolling that across Luxottica. So how does um, being responsible for global talent development change relative to being responsible for global development you know i mean it is talent development different how is it different as you move across the globe with the various sites that oakley has and people and cultures yeah wow especially when you start getting into being owned by um, another company and an italian-based company for example one project in um in brazil we're combining the office into into the Oakley team and the Luxottica team, cohabitating um, and kind of becoming more of an integrated business there. And so now you're dealing with um, the Italian culture and the Western, you know, U.S. culture right. on top of the Brazilian culture. Um, and then and that's just talking about um, geographic culture. Then you have Luxottica's corporate culture and Oakley's corporate culture. So all of that coming together and trying to make sense of that and figure out how do, how should it run and what should it look like in Brazil to be the most effective and take the best of all five of those things? Right, because you're not only a U.S. company, you're a Southern California company, which sort of has a certain probably global impression, yeah. and you have a very strong corporate culture that is probably somewhat based in Orange County philosophies and roots, but it's also a reflection on Jim, the founder, and the, and the follow-on successors. So that must be an interesting opportunity for you to be able to blend that and, and get the best out of people who maybe have never been to Southern California and have never been to the corporate headquarters. Absolutely. It's a challenge every day. And you're just the person to do it. <laughs> uh, is 
Is this area of talent development one that Oakley has had in its history, or is it a is it a newer area that they've kind of looked to you to help develop? Huh. Yeah, it's brand new. So I've been there for three and a half years, and that's how old talent development is there. Okay. So historically, they have had people that do product training, uh, but they've never had anyone um, employed that is completely 100% against talent. And were you hired specifically to be in this area? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were looking for someone and they selected you. Yep. So I came in and built up the team. And so now I've um, got my team and we are world warriors uh, traveling the globe and really uh, trying to bring, ensure that the culture of Oakley is alive and well, no matter where you go. And the experience is similar. And that's very hard to do. The further away you get from corporate headquarters, the more diluted you run the risk of you know the corporate culture coming and them taking on their own cultures and their own interpretations of culture. Right. And so it's a challenge. Right. I think of the word translation, and that, that for me that works on a bunch of different levels. It, language, culture, distance, time frame, just uh, I, I can only imagine the opportunity that you've been presented, but it is one when you figure it out, it's truly a differentiator in the marketplace. Isn't absolutely, it? absolutely. And it must attract a certain type of person that wants to work for Oakley because of the culture. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the, you know, I didn't, I'm not taking the easy road for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a company that is rooted in entrepreneurialism, and that is absolutely true every day. So my experience with Taco Bell is so so different because right. it's so much uh, more buttoned up and um, more corporate and more process-oriented, and that works very well for them, and, and they're fantastic at doing that. And then contrast that with a company like Oakley that resists process and accountability and things like that that see that sort of scream bureaucracy because we're anti all of that right and so growing uh past a billion dollars and you know growing our way to two billion dollars and hanging on to that is very difficult to do and there's subtle little ways that might erode against that culture that you really have to be aware of too because the bigger you get the more you probably would see the value in some level of structure and, and and that and I'm not saying you don't have structure, but I can see to keep that entrepreneurial spirit alive when you have thousands of employees and a global footprint, that is a real challenge. Yeah. I mean, one part of it is the desire to start implementing process in order to just manage a company of that size. The and the other side, right? absolutely. And the other side is um, with that growth rate, the number of people that you're hiring that weren't birthed in that culture. Right. Right. And so. I mean, we added a thousand new heads to North America alone. I mean, and part of that is our stores, right? Our stores turnover and things like that. But if you right. think of a thousand people that are unfamiliar with the d- depth of this culture and having to really integrate them and help them understand it and um, for them to be ambassadors of it, I mean, it's a just holding on to the culture alone is, you know, multiple full-time jobs. It could be. And I met uh, Colin Baden, your CEO, at the grand opening of the Oakley store in Angel Stadium here in Orange County, California. Right. And that was one of the things that he talked about is bringing the Oakley experience to Angel Stadium. Mm -hmm. So even to that level, you have to, and and I was impressed that uh, the leader of your company and your organization, before you made the commitment to do that, there was a lot of thought of how is this a differentiated experience Mm -hmm. for a person who's at Angel stadium who needs who who stops in your shop it's not just another merchandising shop in a sports arena it's an oakley store inside of angel stadium absolutely and that was critical to us and um required a lot of working with the angels organization to figure out how do we keep oakley alive and also be respectful to what angels um culture and you know um, their 
company is. Right. And once you figure out how to do it in Angel Stadium, which is relatively close mm-hmm. to the Oakley headquarters in Foothill Ranch, then it might be easier to do it in other stadiums across the country, if not around the world, I Absolutely. would think. Absolutely. And it okay. can look different in different companies. All right. We're talking with Jennifer McCusker. She is Global Director of, of Talent Development for Oakley. We're going to take our first commercial break. And then when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, I know you're expecting to hear a conversation on neuroleadership, and we're going to get into that conversation after these words from our commercial sponsor. talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show, and I would like to thank those loyal listeners who listen to our show as a podcast. Maybe you download the show from Apple iTunes or Stitcher or one of the other business podcasting services that we now use here in the radio show to get our message to you and to deliver the show to you. And for that, we are truly grateful. Uh, past 30 days, you've downloaded over 13,000 episodes of the various shows that we've aired live here on octalkradio.net. And again, as I said, we truly do appreciate your continued support and each month bigger downloads more downloads than the previous month tells us that we're delivering you content that you're interested in learning and listening to so thank you speaking of listening and learning let's talk now i'm talking with jennifer mccusker she is with oakley she's the global director of talent development i asked her to come in because i've heard her speak several times in the air on the area about the area of neuroleadership so i'm just going to ask you could you provide an overview on neuroleadership for our audience absolutely i think the um genesis of it or or the let me just get to the core of it is basically that there's a field of neuroscience and a field of leadership and what's happening is those fields are coming together to really inform one another so there's lots of questions in the field of leadership around how people make decisions are senior leaders wired differently than you know people who are not senior leaders, like tons of questions around change management and how people respond to things. And so all of those questions that there are lots of theories out there about, we're now able to give those questions to the field of neuroscience. And these really, really esteemed neuroscientists have the ability now with the evolution of um, some technology to research those questions particularly and provide scientific answers around what actually is happening when someone's going through through change. Those answers are then helping us with 
how do we then get after it in the most productive, most effective way? There's really four domains of neuroleadership. The first is around making decisions and solving problems. The second is collaborating with others. The third is regulating emotions. And the fourth is facilitating change. So when you say, no, this is great, we're doing brain research. So in the past, it was maybe anecdotal. Uh, this The study of leadership was observing how people reacted and maybe doing surveys, asking questions, getting people to respond. What's different in the field of neuroleadership than maybe what was the traditional way we analyzed leaders? Yeah, absolutely. It was done um, through a lot of research and, um, like you said, uh, doing um, studies and things like that. But what's happened now is the MRI machine evolved to what's now called the fMRI machine, so the functional MRI machine. And what that enables us to do is actually watch what's happening in the brain while it's happening, as opposed to taking slices of pictures of the brain. So we can see what parts are being triggered, um, the depth to which they're, which they're triggered, how much of the brain is being used for something, where the blood flow is going, what types of chemicals are being released, and actually get certainty around the answers that can provide us solutions in the business world. So is that a more accurate way to determine how people react to a stimulus than maybe asking them questions and doing survey? I would think that, you know, there's some type of filter when you're yeah. asking someone versus actually observing the yeah. brain functioning. Yeah, Is that true? Absolutely. Um, because a lot of times what happens when you ask someone a question, sometimes we ask hypothetical questions and our hypothetical self is rarely our real self, right? <laughs> yes, I know. And so yeah. we, um, and, and, and sometimes we don't, we just don't know what we don't know about ourselves and things like that, that we can get to through this technology of fMRI. It's fascinating to me because uh, I think the brain, we've only begun to understand how to really observe and analyze the brain, right? It's such a complex organ, and it holds so many of the secrets. And you, in the talks that you've uh, given to the group, you've talked about this acronym SCARF, S-C-A-R-F. I'm wondering if you might be able to share with our audience what SCARF, where it came from and what it stands for. Sure, yeah. So this acronym is so fantastic, and this research is so fantastic, and it's such a great one to start with on on this show because if anyone's interested in getting into this field, it's a good entree. Um, So basically there's uh, some research out there that's now been fairly widely um, written about in Harvard Business Review and um, several books and things like that. But basically um, what we've found out through neuroleadership now is that our brain operates where historically we thought our brain operated sort of in a hierarchical way, similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where we're motivated to achieve something based on um, something else being met. So, for example, if, if our basic needs of food and um, water and safety are not met, then we're not uh, motivated to achieve things like um, social interaction. Where now what we realize is that our brain actually responds to physical needs and social needs identically. Our brain operates on this threat and reward continuum. Right. So the more that we're in threat, which is we're trying to move away from something, we're feeling uncomfortable, um, our brain actually starts to atrophy and it impacts our memory. Whereas when you move someone into reward, they want more of that. And what we found through this research, the research is not mine, I'm a groupie. What, what was found in this research is that there's five cravings that our brain has to help maximize the amount of reward and minimize the amount of threat. And so those are are in the acronym SCARF. It stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Could you take that another level down then? Absolutely. Thank you. So status is our relative importance to someone. And status can be lots of things. It doesn't have to be socioeconomic. It doesn't even have to be level-related or title-related, although those things do impact status. Something as small as the arrangement of the furniture in a room can impact 
status, right? But the boss is also affects status? Absolutely. Okay. Just by just by walking in a room, a boss impacts the status. Okay. Right? And upsets some sort of um, equilibrium, if you will, that, that, that was happening in the room. And so even though you might think you have a great relationship with my team and they love me <laughs> yeah. and you know all of that, comfortable with just me. by walking in, you, you change the status dynamic. And I think that's very... Anybody who's ha- ever had a boss knows mm-hmm. that initial feeling that you get when you see the boss coming or when they walk in or they surprise you in the room. It's different than anybody else who might walk in that room, isn't it? Of course. And it probably goes to this first letter in scarf. Yeah, absolutely. The C is certainty. Our brains are prediction machines. They like to know what's going to happen. We don't crave ambiguity. We don't say, (laughs) wake up in the morning and say, I hope I know less about what's going to happen today, right? Uh, We really look for certainty. Uh, Our brains really want that. I mean, there's a small amount of uncertainty that's novel. Surprise, birthday party, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we like that novelty, but it's very tiny. In general, we really crave certainty. Uh, autonomy is the A. Autonomy is a perceived sense of autonomy. It's made up of um, options, choice, and control. So as long as we feel like we had one of those things, that craving is met. So, for example, if I tell my daughter that your choice between two desserts is um, a brownie or a cookie, she feels like she had a choice in the matter. Right. But I actually controlled that she's getting one dessert, and I controlled what the choices were. Right, and the portion size and all the rest of that, All the rest, exactly. But she feels like she had a choice, so her autonomy craving is met. Okay. And I've satisfied, satisfied that for her. So this is really important in, like, change management, for example, where... Even if you can't give them choices, give them a perceived sense of choice. Right. And, and I think that would also lend to the certainty one where in, in ambiguity, if you feel like you have a certain amount of choice in how you respond to the ambiguity, maybe you were able to feel a little bit better about the uncertainty that's around that ambiguity too, right? Absolutely. And the five of these, I mean, change management is just the perfect example. I mean, we at Oakley, uh, I'll go through the, the other two in a second, but at Oakley, we've really, really used this um, working with teams that are experiencing change or transition. And it's been very, very helpful for them to understand where they're at and what cravings kind of lower or being met or not being met in a certain stage and how to manage as leaders, how do you help people through changes by giving, you know, satisfying these cravings? Right. And the SCARF model, and I know we have two more letters, ladies and gentlemen, and Jennifer, mm-hmm. we'll get to them in a minute. And I am talking with Jennifer McCusker of Oakley. But this is in life. This isn't, this applies to work, but it's, it's our human condition, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, the, the, think about how more impactful relationships could be. If you really focused on satisfying these cravings and others. Right, right, because the status one is apparent, as you said earlier. I mean, we talked about your daughter relative to having choices, but also the status is there. Mm-hmm. And a teacher and a, a mm-hmm. minister or whatever it is. I mean, in life, there's a lot of times when your status could be affected by other people. It's nice to know that you're yeah. affecting them in that way. Or a husband and wife relationship. Like, where's the status? Is there a status imbalance? You know, right. or is one of you creating that? Right. So, so what's the, the R? R yeah. <laughs> so the R is relatedness. This is a um, sense of safety with others. It's kind of, do I view you as a friend or a foe? And what's interesting about this one is that our brains default to foe. Really? Yeah. So until we find, um, until we are proven otherwise. Wow. It's kind of interesting when you think about jury trials. You yes. Know? Um, Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, uh. maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, our brains default to foe. And one of the fastest ways to move from foe to friend is to find something you have in common with someone. So this is really important to think about when you're onboarding a new employee. Right. Right. So during new hire orientation now, we have really taken the steps to ensure 
that we buddy them up, we find out what what's interesting to them and find those commonalities with people in the company already so they can already have relationships and have that relatedness craving met with people on well, day one. I would think that's a big part of building an employee cult, building the culture of the company too, where you have people that can have shared experiences that genuinely connect to the relatedness mm-hmm. of the shared experience. It's not like forced fun, you know what I mean? Absolutely. They really derive in yeah. value and excitement from yeah. whatever it is that is around yeah. the culture. The it helps of the break cultures. down status too. When you start finding you have something right. in common right. with someone who you might perceive as higher status than you, then all of a sudden that relatedness starts you know, growing between the two of you and it diminishes um, maybe a status imbalance. Okay. And yeah. F stands for? Fairness. So fairness is a tricky one because it's something that you feel when, when, when it's there, you, okay. you just know it, you kind of feel it when it's there. Um, it's this perception of fair exchanges. And is that, is that about, one-on-one between two people or can you observe fairness in a larger context? It could be in a larger context for sure. One okay. example, um, this happens to be with, um, two people, but let's just say that you're asking a high performer to pick up the slack of a low performer. That high performer is going to feel like this isn't really fair. It's, you yeah, know? it's not. Yeah. So it's a- absolutely not satisfying a craving that they have, and it's going to push them a little bit into threat. And what's important about our response to threat, um, is that when we're experiencing threat, our amygdala, which is our mission control center of our brain actually starts firing, right? It just starts going off and it shuts down our ability to access our prefrontal cortex. And what's important about that is that our prefrontal cortex is where we need access in order to move things into long-term memory, to think creatively, to solve complex problems, to have broader perspective. And the correlation between our amygdala and our prefrontal cortex is a 0.89. And if there's any statisticians out there, that's a really high correlation. Right. So that inverse relationship, the more triggered our amygdala is, the less access we have to our prefrontal cortex, which just just illustrates the absolute need to satisfy these cravings in people and keep them in as much reward as possible or at least minimize the amount of threat. Right. I'm not a brain scientist. I don't even play one on the radio show, but it seems to me that you hire people for that higher order brain function. Absolutely. And if your culture is causing them challenges along the scarf, uh, then you're not allowing them to access the reason why you're paying them. And yeah. you hired them in the first place. How many people in corporate America today were hired for their muscles? Right. Not very many, no. right? We're hired for exactly what you're saying, that executive part of your brain, that thinking part of your brain. Right. And if and if you're not comfortable with the ambiguity and with the whole re- recession that we had in the U.S. and the global slowdown, I mean, there were a lot of employees who weren't feeling comfortable about the future in their companies. I could see how productivity then right and creativity and innovation suffer because of the human condition mm-hmm. and this simple model i mean yeah. it's not a simple model yeah. but it's a simple to understand model may help leaders yeah. to address that and that's on a that's on a big scale let me give you like a smaller you know example that someone might use in a company any given day so if i say to someone on my team Jamie, I'll make up a name Jamie i want to give you some feedback about that meeting we just had meet me in my office next tuesday at 2 I'm sure people have made that comment many, many, many times. It's probably made on a daily basis in offices. And what happened is I just compromised every craving that Jamie has. I raised my status and lowered hers because I'm going to give her feedback. Right. I gave her no sense of certainty about what's going to happen next Tuesday at 2, if she's even going to have a job next Tuesday at 2. I didn't ask her if she wanted the feedback. 
I ne- she's now questioning our relationship and this exchange now is, is feeling unfair to her, right? right? Like I'm throwing this on here and not telling her right in the moment that doesn't feel fair to her. So uh, between now and next Tuesday at 2, I can absolutely guarantee that I will not be getting the same <laughs> level of creative thinking, complex you know, problem solving, same perspective out of her. Right. And, and probably the first thing she says to her spouse or friends when she gets off of work i don't know what jennifer wants, yeah. jennifer wants to talk to me about but she wants to talk to me yeah. something on tuesday and, and with your point people tend to default to the negative yeah right oh yeah to threat. And she's, she's consumed by it and our perception of threat if we can't quantify something our, our we make it much larger than it is right so you, there's a stranger coming, you know, walking towards you on a on a dark night. We can't quantify the situation or qualify it. And so we start preparing ourselves for something very bad. Right. It's right? just Cross survival. The street, whatever. It's these instincts that rustle in the bushes that ends up being a bird. But we think it's like a dragon is going to come out of it. You know, I mean, it's just our right. response to threat is huge. It's five times greater than our response to reward. Our response to threat is five times greater than our response to reward. Yeah. Wow. That's how, I mean, it's so important (laughs) that this type of research is so important now for us to really get on top of. I mean, I really believe this is going to be a turning point in the field of organizational development, the field of leadership and how much money is spent every single year on leadership development initiatives. And we sort of do the vendor swap between companies, right? Like, oh, I haven't tried that one because that one didn't work for us. Right. Let's try that one, yeah. right? And Oakley, so, use them. Let's try them, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And yet the numbers, I mean, in terms of engagement surveys and stuff, we really haven't moved the needle a lot. Over the past, you know, who knows how many num- number of years and billions of dollars that have been spent across, you know, um, companies on doing things like that. And I really believe that this is going to be the turning point for us. Well, I think, Jennifer, what you're giving us today and what you've been talking about when I hear you speak on this subject is hard science research around what some companies consider soft skills. Absolutely. And you know what? When you start talking to executives about this in scientific terms, you don't lose them. Right. They're interested. You're going to stay with us through the next break. Okay. We have, I have a couple more things I want to talk to you about. We haven't gotten to them yet. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're only going to be gone for uh, two minutes to have our commercial time out. Jennifer McCusker, who is Global Director of Talent Development with Oakley, will be back to talk a little bit more about neuroleadership. Stay tuned. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technologies the big banks but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863. 
or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Today, our featured guest is Jennifer McCusker. She's Global Director of Talent Development for Oakley. Our audience is made up of 98% business owners and executives who listen to this program to learn from the experiences of our guests, as example by today. If your firm is interested in reaching top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be your answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. We delivered last month over 40,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions. And if you'd like to learn more, then contact our advertising department at 949-887-4104. Jennifer, I want to ask a little bit about the Institute, the Neuro Leadership Institute. So uh, you said earlier, you, you, you know, you're kind of a groupie of this, mm-hmm. uh, tr- of this research. So could you give the audience a little sense for the institution that's behind this work? Absolutely. So the Neuroleadership Institute is a research association. It's a network of individuals and organizations that are really just trying to, you know, get involved in neuroscience and the leadership field. The purpose of the Institute is to uh, encourage, generate, and share neuroscience research that transforms how people think, develop, and perform. So where are they located? They're founded by two guys, um, okay. Al uh, Ringleb and David Rock. David Rock has really become the face of it. He's originally from Australia, David and so Rock. there's a lot of ties to Australia. Okay. Although you'll, um, I think David resides in Australia, in England, and in New York. Okay, so this is a this is understood globally now. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, I. I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm just I'm just making a statement. I'm not saying this for fact, but in my experience going to the neuroleadership summits, there seems to be almost more global awareness about this than there is domestic for us. And so um, I can understand. That. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, we're catching up a little bit. I, it feels like. Okay. Uh, so what is a a neuroleadership summit then? Yeah. So the summits happen once a year somewhere um, in, in in the world, and there's typically a summit done in, in the United States. So this year, it'll be the first week of November in Washington, D.C., where people from around the world who are really interested in this topic and researching this topic get together. And the presentations, it's about a two- to three-day summit, but it's done in a very brain-friendly way, which is, well, it should be. Right. And so it's done where they have both a researcher, a neuroscientist, sharing whatever the latest and greatest research is, coupled with a uh, practitioner, so someone in a company, talking about the relevancy of it and how you apply Mm. something like that to a company. And then they give you time um, to kind of mentally digest it and work with that information, because that's how we know now through neuroscience research that people actually learn. From attending the summits, being involved in the neuroleadership work that's done, when you go to the summits... How many practitioners, is this a growing, I mean, how many companies do you think are understanding this type of research and are trying to apply it in their workforce? Yeah, it's growing rapidly. I mean, when I went, I, the first neuroleadership um, summit that I went to, now keep in mind the summit, gosh, offhand, probably the first summit was maybe in like 2007 or six wow, or something like really that. It's fairly fresh, new. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the first summit I went to, uh, there was probably, I think it was their third third year um, as an institute, and there were probably, I don't know, there was less than 100 people there. And now, this past year, I went, and there's, you know, a few hundred people. So just in, you know, you know, a very short span of a few years, 
um, four years, I think, that it's grown. And so I think each year we're going to see it grow more and more and more. And what's happening also are there local chapters of the Institute. So I lead the Orange County chapter of okay. the Neuro Leadership Institute. And but that's getting word out locally, which then brings more people into it. Is this only something for large multinational corporations like Oakley? Or could small and mid-market companies like the people that listen to Critical Mass Radio Show also learn from and benefit from understanding neuroleadership? Oh, my gosh. It's for everyone. In fact, at the summit, sometimes you'll see leaders of very small companies, entrepreneurs themselves or operation heads of smaller companies that attend. It doesn't have to be someone from my field. Okay. Uh, that, you know, I'm the representative for a, a much larger company. I encourage business leaders themselves to really attend and really understand uh, what's happening uh, for themselves to become even more effective leaders and business owners. So people that are listening to the pro- program today live or in the future as a podcast off of iTunes or Stitchers and they're a Orange County business owner, would it be appropriate for them to consider to come to a local session? Absolutely. We would absolutely love it. Our and next session is November uh, 14th, just November for the record. 14th. Yep. It's an it's, evening or day? Or it's what? in the morning. In the and morning. It's even um, held at Brandman University in Irvine. What was the date again? Uh, November 14th. And how would they find out about how to register? Do they register it, for that? or um, They can email me directly okay. at uh, J-M-C-C-U-S, as in Sam, K-E-R, so jmccusker at oakley.com. Okay. Or they can go on neuroleadership.org. Uh, and they can find the Orange County chapter, and that will have my email on it, address okay. on it as well. And what would a typical chapter meeting be like? Yeah, so it, it varies. Sometimes we'll have a um, guest speaker uh, from, from the field. And oftentimes what, we, what we've started this year is we've started um, each quarter. We, we have meetings quarterly. Okay. So each quarter we'll read a different book on the topic uh, and discuss that for just the beginning of the just the beginning of the meeting. And then this meeting on November 14th, a lot of us will be fresh from the conference, the New Leadership Summit. So right. we're going to bring back all of the cutting-edge research and learning and share that with the broader group. So that would be, if you've listened to this show before that date, and that's 2013. That would be one that would be well worth it. Absolutely. It would be a very, very good um, catch-you-up session. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, talking about large companies and smaller companies, in some ways I think because so much of this is toned at the top, uh, the leader of the company understanding it and, and then employing it and modeling the behavior and having people like you who can help them to understand how to really uh, multiply it in their culture, a smaller company, you might be able to get m- even faster return on understanding the SCARF model and applying neuroleadership because you get so much more of an intimate relationship with your staff. Absolutely. I mean, it's such, it's a, it's easier to turn a small ship, right? I mean, it's, I mean, when you, if you can get this stuff, this into the culture when your company's small, I mean, there's, there's nothing like that. So what's the future hold for neuroleadership in, in the business context? What do you, what do you see? Yeah. I mean, there are more questions than there are answers and there's research coming out you know, faster than we can even, you know, keep up with it. What's cool about the summit is that there's going to be a post day where they're going to talk about where the research is headed. Okay. Uh, so if you attend the regular two days, then you can stay for the third day on, on the future of research um, and where neuroleadership is headed. What's my prediction? Uh, I think that, you know, we're getting, we're going to start getting into um, really, deep into uh, further into change and performance management 
and how to what's the most effective way to do performance management. And uh, I mean, Oakley is one of um, you know we're not the only company that's done it, but we've really walked away from traditional performance management and we focus more on the conversation between a manager and an employee ongoing. And we don't do any formal performance reviews or ratings and things like that. And so what's the science behind that? What does that mean for people? What's the generational differences? Um, I just think there's so, Rick, we could go on all day. You know, it's like the, the, the number of questions out there are, are vast. You talked about generational differences, and I've heard a number of speakers talk about Gen X, Gen Y, and, and how to manage them. But this model and neuroleadership, it doesn't matter what your age group is. These are basic ways we're wired as 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 humans so it yeah. sort of helps smooth that out a little it, bit, I it, would think. It absolutely should um, and, and, and does because we're getting to the core of who people are. Right. One thing that we might find is we might find that the um, degree to which each of those elements of SCARF are um, critical for people might be different. We don't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there as a as a possibility. Okay. There is an assessment online called Scarf 360. It's scarf360.com. If you go online, it's a very quick assessment, and what it does is it um, give it provides you your um, the order of your five cravings and the weightings of each of them. So really? although everyone has all five, they have them in different degrees. Here's what's important about that. My team do it, and my number one is autonomy. I crave autonomy. I've been told I can't be led. So I need to just be on my own and, and figure stuff out and, and, I'll, and I'll make it happen. So I led that way also. I led it as if my whole team craved autonomy to the same level that I did. And once they all took the SCARF 360 assessment, most of them, their number one was certainty. Oh, and that's it was like on the opposite end of it, right? Um, it was such an aha for me and my team where okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, they need more of me. They need more certainty from me. They need more time with me and for me to give them more direction. Right. And um, I was giving them less because that's what I want. Wow. And so you have to be careful that you're leading with others in mind and not based on what your right. order is. Right. It's the golden rule, platinum rule Absolutely. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So Gallup just published their latest employee engagement survey that showed globally 13% of the work of the workforce, the global workforce mm-hmm. is engaged mm-hmm. and that almost twice as many are disengaged and then the rest are just they're neither engaged engaged mm-hmm. or disengaged i would think and and i believe that an engaged workforce is a competitive differentiator and if you can achieve it it's one of the hardest things to copy from a competitive point of view mm-hmm. based on these numbers the gallup has shown yeah, yeah. consistently over years i think it was up from 11 percent from the last time but it's still it's really yeah. a shame i would think neuroleadership might take a big step towards helping leaders understand how to have a truly engaged workforce. Yeah, and there's been some there's been a little bit of work done in trying to map uh the Gallup, you know, Q12 is what they're ver- they're very famous for and and other um engagement surveys to uh scarf uh-huh. and really figure out okay is there an assessment that can get after this in terms of engagement um so the research isn't all the way there yet but there's okay. definitely work in progress on doing that i mean you're right culture and engagement is something that cannot be reverse engineered right it's the hard- yeah you can take somebody's pricing model you can try to copy mm-hmm. their their website but this is the secret many times the secret sauce you know you talked about books that are being published in the field uh, you have a phd you're you're able to digest that kind of information for the layperson for the business owner are there approachable books on this subject that they can read and get something from without having to have it interpreted through yeah. you know someone such as yourself yeah the first book especially just because we're talking about this topic that anyone should read is your brain at work by david rock 
Okay. So Your Brain at Work by David Rock, and it really will give them a lot more depth on the threat and reward continuum as well as SCARF. Um, is I've just scratched the surface on it, and I think that's just the really, really good starter book for them. Then if you go to neuroleadershipinstitute.org, it's a wealth of resources, um, articles, and um, other researchers in their books. And David Rock spells his last name. R-O-C-K. Just like it sounds. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really appreciate the time that you're spending here and have spent with us today and sharing just a little bit about this neuroleadership. And I had this question, and it may not be germane, but is there any resource that says men or women are better at applying the SCARF model than the other? Is this, can, can, can we all equally learn how to avoid putting people into Absolutely. Threatened situations. Absolutely. Cross gender. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just have to have the appetite for it. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and ladies and gentlemen, again, we spend a lot of time working on the hard sides of the business from a productivity perspective and optimizing the layout of our floor, whether it's lean manufacturing or whatever else we might do, strong accounting systems, investing in software. And many times, uh, many leaders look at this side, the talent management side of it and talent development as either too hard unclear on the returns of it or a soft side of the business that they can't afford to do i i believe as oakley is showing with having someone of your caliber doing talent development on a global scale and then this work that you're discussing with us on neuroleadership that in some ways i think if you only have a, a certain amount of investment dollars to put in the business i would suggest that this might be the place you start absolutely i mean if nothing else, remember this. An employee is only going to give an experience that is as good as the one they're getting themselves. Whoa. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. So, if you're not happy with the what your employees are giving you, look in the mirror. I've always said that to the leaders. You know, it's your responsibility to how you lead the organization. So, Jennifer, thank you for being a friend of the program. Thanks for coming in and sharing a little bit with us today on Critical Mass. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Jennifer McCusker, Director of global talent development at Oakley. We're going to take a short commercial timeout, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be right back here with Critical Mass Radio Show. So stay tuned. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.COM. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.COM. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I hope uh, you've enjoyed the conversation that I just had with Jennifer McCusker 
She is the Global Director of Talent Development for Oakley, and we were talking about neuroleadership. And I really encourage all of you leaders, would-be leaders, future leaders, to consider uh, looking at the book Your Brain at Work uh, by David Rock and also looking more at the Neuroleadership Institute to understand the brain science research that's going on and how you might be able to apply that in your business. I just wanted to end today's show by reminding those people that have registered for the Executive Conference, our annual event at the Center Club here in Orange County, California. So this is kind of a local announcement. If you haven't registered yet for the Executive Conference, it is going to be October the 28th at the Center Club in Costa Mesa, and it starts at 7.30 with registration. I have a panel discussion planned. I'll be moderating a panel, and we're going to be talking about owning your competitive niche and the keys to differentiation and the ability for small and mid-market companies to effectively compete against larger, maybe more recognized uh, international and national corporations. So it's a great opportunity for those in marketing, so obviously senior leadership, CEOs. Our panel is Colin Baden, who's Chief Executive Officer for Oakley Incorporated, Reggie Gilliard, who's the Dean of the Business School at Chapman University, Dan Lubeck, who's Managing Director for Solus Capital Partners, and Ryan Rikas, Chief Executive Officer of Rikas Baird Branding Agency. If you're available and interested, we still have a few seats left, and I know that sounds like something that people say when they're trying to push their conferences on you, but honestly, we do have a few seats left and would love to have you attend and learn from the community, make some new friends, and have an opportunity to ask our panel some questions as well. All right. Well, I'd like to thank our engineer, Paul Roberts, who did a great job again today engineering our show. I'd like to thank our producer, Rachel Franzi, for producing the show. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltis. I'm your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your directions will move your company in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.